six of the chosen. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe it's been six weeks. And so for those of you who are guests, what we're doing, we, every fall we do this, like we call it a campaign. And so we all kind of do the same thing. And so the sermons line up with what's happening in all of our small groups. And, and everyone who's in a small group gets a booklet that is a daily devotional. It's, it's been an opportunity for us to just, uh, based around season one of the television show, The Chosen, for us to do a deeper dive into the life of Jesus and really what it means to be chosen. What does it mean that God has chosen us? And so our theme verse is Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, uh, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And so episode 6 of The Chosen, if you haven't seen it already, uh, what, it, what it does is it focuses on the healing ministry of Jesus. He heals a leper, and then you're going to see, so we're going to watch a scene together where the uh, kind of a famous Bible story where friends lower a guy through the roof, and they just do an amazing depiction of that. So we're going to check that out. Um, but it, it, focuses, it focuses on healing, and so there are three things that I want to do today. Number one is I, wanna, I want us to have an understanding of why uh, healing was such an essential part of the ministry of Jesus, why it was such a big deal, and we're going to kind of go into like what the prophets were saying, kind of big picture as to why, it was, why it's such a big deal. And then second, what does that mean for us? All right, so here we are 2,000 years later. What, what does it mean for us that Jesus had this emphasis on healing the sick and then the third thing we're going to do, which I guess kind of answers the question, the number two, uh, we're going to spend some time praying for the sick. And so this is going to be an opportunity at the end of this service for you to come up and get some prayer. And we did this at nine o'clock. We saw God moving in a powerful way with people. So before I get into um, all of this, let me just tell you a little bit how understanding healing and the kingdom of God has impacted my life. So, so I grew up in a, what's called a conservative evangelical home, uh, church, right? In my, you know, conservative evangelical home. That has nothing to do with politics. I know sometimes people think that's a political statement. It actually has to do with how we were, the church I grew up in just really focused on the Bible. Like it was just about like we need to know the word and we need to study the word and we need to get the word. So it was like a, a word-based church. Um, now, when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, I didn't want anything to do with it. And so, you know, I think I said last week that so many people have this view that if something is fun, right, if something's fun to do, God calls it sin. And if something's like really boring, then that's good and holy. Uh, that is exactly what 16-year-old Phil thought. I mean, that was kind of my perspective, that there wasn't anything in this for me that was relevant or helpful or something I wanted to give myself to. So my parents would, like, drag me to church. And I actually, I'd be dragged to vacation Bible school when I was a kid. All, you know, it's just kind of funny that we do VBS now. Um, but uh, but I, I didn't want anything to do with it. But then I won't get into the details of it. At some point, when I was 17 year, years old, Jesus broke into my life in a really powerful way, and I really began to see that following Jesus was the best life, and I wanted to go all in, and I you know, was in 100%. And, and so through a series of events and twists and turns and stuff, uh, by 1993, um, I was an associate pastor in a denominational church, and it was, it was a great church. It was a church that we saw a lot of people come to faith, and it was a, a very vibrant church. 
But what's interesting is that in all of my Christian experience, growing up in the church, and then, you know, like seven years of really like all in following Jesus, I don't think I ever once laid hands on a sick person and prayed for them to get well. That just was not a part of my experience, wasn't part of my understanding. There was no model for it. There was no understanding that, that this is something that we can do. And so I, what I would do a lot is I'd pray, if someone was going to have surgery, I would pray that God would guide the hands of the surgeon and pray for that, you know, for God to use the doctors to make them better. I'd pray that way, but I, but I, I didn't expect the kingdom of God to break in. I didn't expect like God to show up in the moment and do something. And then that all changed for me um, in, in about 1995, um, and it's when I came into the vineyard. And so for me, coming into the vineyard movement was an opportunity for me to understand uh, more about the kingdom of God, what it meant for us to see God break into the here and now and do his work. And what, what it's meant is that for the last 26, 27 years, Praying for the sick has just been a regular, normal part of my life. Just part of like what I do, you know? Like I, I lead this church and I send all my money to my kids' colleges and, uh, and, and I um, play golf sometimes and I watch the Patriots win lots of Super Bowls, like so many Super Bowls through the years. Um, we're taking a break this year, giving someone else a chance, but... Um, but uh, I, you know, I shouldn't say things like that. Like, I can't lose you so early in the message. It's not really, it's not a smart thing to do. But, but praying for the sick is just, has just been kind of like what I do. It's just part of, you know, just normal life. And, and I'll tell you, over the last 25 years, I've seen some things. I've seen some things that if I were to go back and tell 17-year-old Phil, like, hey, here are some things that you're going to experience, I'm not sure he would have believed it. And so uh, years ago, I think it was about nine or ten years ago, one of the things I like about Facebook, I don't like a lot of things about Facebook, but one thing I like about Facebook is the memories that come up, right? You know how you can click on something and you can, you can see all the things that you've posted on that, on that date? And so I've been on Facebook, I think, for like 13 years. So it's kind of fun to see, you know, old pictures of my kids. And, but I have a couple of things that pop up on a regular basis, a yearly basis, that remind me of some of these incredible things I've seen God do. So about nine or ten years ago, Mike Terigiano and I, some of you guys know Mike, um, we were invited to go down to a Presbyterian church in Orlando to do a healing conference. And so we went down, and there were about 200 people or so who were at this conference. And so I'm teaching about the kingdom of God, and we're teaching about healing, and, and they really didn't have much experience with this. We kinda, they were hungry for it. We're kind of bringing them into it. And at this time, you know, I remember there was this guy who was attending the healing conference who was blind. And so, you know, you knew he was blind because he had dark glasses on and he had a cane and he'd walk around like this. And so he was just a part of everything. And so we get to Saturday afternoon. And so I like, I, you know, that's when we say, okay, we're going to release this now. Now you guys get to do this. All the stuff that you've been learning, now you're going to do. And so we had people stand up all over the room who were, who were sick or in pain in some way. And I said, okay, now let's get two or three people around everyone. You guys pray for them, the things you've been learning. And so I kind of dive into that. There's people standing all over the room. God's moving. People are getting healed. And then all of a sudden I hear this commotion. And somebody comes up to me and says, Phil, you've got to come over here. Dwight's getting his sight back. And so I come over, and there's Dwight surrounded by people. And it's like this 18-year-old kid was praying for him who had never prayed for anyone like this before. And Dwight is calling out people's shirts. 
He's like, you have a red shirt. You have a green shirt. I walk up, and he'd been hearing me teach all weekend, and he said, you're a lot younger than I thought you were. I didn't have, this is, remember, I didn't have the gray beard back then. I didn't have the Santa Claus thing going on. And, uh, and so I remember I put my hand on his head, and it felt like I was touching a stove. I mean, it was like so hot. And that's something I've learned to associate with healing, that there's heat that's there. And so we kind of prayed some more, and the next day he got up and he gave a testimony in the church. And that's the video that pops up on my, on my feed once a year. And, uh, and he went to the doctors, and the doctor had to give him a prescription. He didn't need one before because he was blind, but now he wasn't, like his eyesight wasn't 20-20, but he could see. And the doctor's just like, yeah, I don't know, that's just, that's just really weird. I guess that happens sometimes. Uh, and, and I remember a, a couple of years ago, we were doing one of our normal like Holy Spirit nights. And there's a, it was a woman there, someone who's still a part of our church, Barbara Marcus. I don't know, Barbara, if you're watching online right now, hello, good to see, good to see you. Uh, and so she got prayer because she had no peripheral vision. So she could only see, like, she, I remember her going, I can only see like this. I can't see anything to the side, which makes it really hard to live in North Jersey and try to merge onto Route 17 or Route 4. And so we, we prayed for her, uh, and, and as I'm praying, all of a sudden she starts crying. And she's going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then she starts going like this, and then I'm doing like, how many fingers am I holding up? And she's like, two, and you know, doing, and, and she got her peripheral vision back. And in the same way, she went to the doctors and was like, they were like, we have no explanation for this, but this is awesome. And so those are kind of a couple of the more like dramatic things that I've seen, but we just see on a regular basis. We see, as we pray for the sick, we see God heal people. So this past Tuesday night, at the life group that I lead, um, there's a, a woman who attends that, Christy Bogle. Some of you guys know her. And, uh, and so she had surgery a couple of weeks ago, something to do with her breathing, with the, you know, something to do with her like nasal cavity. And, and that all went fine, but she got an infection. And so the infection kind of spread. And the result of that, she came on Tuesday night, is that like half of her face was kind of paralyzed and numb. And it had negatively affected her vision. I said, all right, well, let's, let's pray for Christy. And so we're praying for her, and, and I could feel some heat, and it seemed like God was doing some stuff, and some other people had some words just to encourage her, because she's always serving, she's, always, she's a, always telling people about Jesus, and just trying to encourage her. And so at the end of the prayer time, I said, so Christy, what's going on? And she'd been crying during the prayer time as the Holy Spirit was touching her, and, and she, said, she said, well, I, I feel really peaceful. I feel really loved, I feel really encouraged. I'm like, okay, well, what about physically? Is anything going on physically? And she's like, well... I feel really peaceful. I feel really, I'm like, okay, we don't have to make anything up. That's all good, but we'll just keep praying and, and let us know if anything changes. And so then all of a sudden, though, like immediately, she starts going like this, and she goes, wait a minute. This is really weird. I can feel this. And I said, so you couldn't feel that before? And she goes, no, I absolutely couldn't feel that before. And then she said, I have an itch. And she starts scratching her forehead because and, and, she couldn't feel anything before. And now feeling is starting to come back to the part of her face that's paralyzed. And I said, that must be the greatest itch that you've ever had. And, and so then even like a few minutes later, as everybody's leaving, she's still walking like, I can't believe this. This is so weird. This is so great. And so, so we see when we make room for God to heal and God to move, we see that he does. Now, not everybody gets healed. That doesn't always happen. I was ready to pivot with Chris. He's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Well, we'll come back and we'll pray again next week. Um, because sometimes, sometimes the kingdom of God breaks in and someone gets healed. Sometimes it doesn't. 
And so the question is, so, so if you've been a part of this church, right, maybe you came from another church or maybe you didn't have a church background, and so maybe you haven't been part of a church that kind of prays for the sick on a regular basis like we do, and so maybe you wonder, is that just like a quirky thing they do in the vineyard? You know, like what's that about? Is it like, you know, they pray for the sick, they have bagels, pastor preaches in blue jeans, whatever. Uh, but or is it something that's actually connected to what it means for us to proclaim the gospel and continue the ministry of Jesus? Is it what we're called to do? And so I want to, you know, make the, make the case that I think it's what we're called to do. I think that praying for the sick and seeing the power of the Holy Spirit come and heal people is supposed to be a normal part of the Christian life. And so let me start. The first point, if you have your app, uh, this is, I got a bunch of Bible passages that we're going to go over and fill in the blank notes. You can go to your app and you can open that up. But my first point is that the prophets looked forward to the age of the Spirit. So the prophets were prophesying all through the Old Testament. They're prophesying that this, this moment's going to come, this day's going to come when the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. All the prophets would talk about this, but especially Isaiah. Isaiah really zeroed in on this. So he would say things like Isaiah 41, verse 17. The poor and needy search for water, but there's none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. Now, when Isaiah is talking about water, he's talking about the Spirit. He's not just talking about some irrigation plan that God had for the, for the desert in, in Israel. And to make that clear, Isaiah 44, verse 3, God says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. And so there was this promise, there was this expectation that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out on, on Israel. And it was also understood, the second point, is that the age of the Spirit would be ushered in by the anointed one. And so the Hebrew word for anointed one is Mashiach. And so it's where we get the word Messiah. And actually the Greek translation of Mashiach is Christos. And so when you say Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name, right? If you were writing Jesus a letter, you wouldn't say, dear Mr. Christ. It's Jesus, the anointed one. And so the understanding was that when this age of the Spirit began, it was going to happen through the anointed one. Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 3 a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. It means he's going to be the son of David, right? Remember, that was one of the titles of Jesus, the son of David. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, right? He's going to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 42, verse 1, which is a well-known messianic passage. It says, here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Now, Isaiah prophesied about 700 B.C., so about 700 years before Jesus, and then there were some other prophets after him who would prophesy about the age of the Spirit, would say things about the Messiah. But the last prophet was Malachi. So the last book in the Old Testament is the last book that was written. That was around 400 B.C. So for, for 400 years, up until the birth of Jesus, there was nothing. I mean, God, there were no prophets. 
There were no more scriptures. There was, there was just absolute silence, right? When it came to God, it was just crickets. And then to make matters worse, you had Roman occupation. So Israel's supposed to be God's chosen people. But now you've got the Romans that are there, and they're oppressing the Israelites, and there's like heavy taxation, and the, their boots are on everyone's neck. And so there was this absolute feeling that the Israelites had. It's like, God, where are you? You've forgotten us, God. I thought we, we were your people, but we've got this Roman oppression, and there's absolute silence. Do you even see? Do you even care? And so it, that's how it was for 400 years. It was a really tough time in Israel. But then there were some rumblings. Right? Remember, this was an oral society, so like word would travel really quick. So people, maybe they heard about Zechariah the priest. Zechariah the priest goes in to minister uh, before the Lord, to burn incense before the Lord, and sees an angel. And the angel talks about what God's going to do and about a child that they're going to have. And he questions, you know, whether this is true. And so the angel says, you're not going to be able to talk until your son is born. And so he comes out of that and he's like trying to kind of mime what happened. The people are like, what's going on with Zechariah? Why can't he talk? But then John is born, his son is born. And so then I'm sure he told everyone, yeah, this is what happened. This is what the angel said and this is what's going on. And so I'm sure word about that traveled. And then I'm sure word traveled about these wise men, these magi who came from the east. Do you hear about this caravan that came? And yeah, they, they were astrologers and they saw something in the heavens and they were looking for a king. Do you think maybe they were looking for the, for the Mashiach? They were looking for the anointed one. So they probably heard about that. Maybe they, I'm sure they heard about the slaughter of the innocents because Herod, he heard, you know, he knew what the Magi were looking for and he said, I don't want any king who's going to displace me. So I'm going to go and I'm going to kill every kid under the age of two who was born in Bethlehem because I don't want any rivals to my throne. And so there's, there's these rumors. People are wondering after 400 years of silence, maybe it's on. Maybe something's happening. And then years later, Zechariah's kid, John the Baptist, grows up and he's in the wilderness. And he's preaching. And he's, he's a prophet. And he's saying to people, his message was, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And so after 400 years, people are like, finally, there's a prophet. God is moving. God is working. And God is about to unveil his Messiah. And so there's this buzz. There's this expectation. There's this excitement. And then one day, while John the Baptist is doing what he does, Jesus shows up. And John knew who Jesus was. And he's like, listen, you don't, I'm not going to baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You go ahead. You, you baptize me. This is what's supposed to happen. And so Luke chapter 3, 21, it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And understand, because the expectation was that the Mashiach would be anointed by the Spirit, people saw the Holy Spirit anoint Jesus. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So I just want to give you a little bit of a sense of what it was like for these first century Jews. Word, there was word on the street. Things were happening. After 400 years of silence, there was the understanding of this expectation. And now Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit. What the Bible says is that he had the Holy Spirit without measure. And now it's just on. And he's kind of doing what he does. 
And so one of the things that he did early on is he went back to the synagogue that he grew up in Nazareth. Maybe, we talked last week about Jesus turning water into wine in Cana, maybe it was the same trip. And so maybe everybody's talking about Jesus. Everybody's hearing these rumors and things that are going on. And maybe people are like, I got a cousin who worked at the wedding. You're not going to believe what happened. So word is spreading. And Jesus is in in the synagogue. And it says this in Luke chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Again, so everybody's like word on the street. Everybody's paying attention. Jesus is handed one of the big messianic prophecies that Isaiah wrote. And so he stood up, he found the spot, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And then it says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. I mean, do you think? Right? You could hear a pin drop. And then what Jesus said is he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, wow, right? I mean, what a, what a moment that must have been. So Jesus goes to his hometown, the synagogue, where he used to, you know, play as a kid, where he probably, you know, we got Bar Mitzvah, and, and, and there he is, and he says, today, this is fulfilled. And so from this point on, it was like the gauntlet was thrown down, and Jesus just went and did what he did. He did what this prophecy said he was going to do. He would preach about the kingdom of God, but he would do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And people are always like, no one's ever had authority like this. This is different. This is different teaching because he was preaching by the power of the Holy Spirit. He would deliver the oppressed and the demonized by the power of the Holy Spirit. He would bring about justice, God's justice, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he would heal the sick by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this was, that's what it said right in the text from Isaiah that he read. He's going to open up blind eyes. And so the third point is this, healing the sick was a vital component of Jesus' ministry. Let me put it this way, we, we don't, you know, we don't realize, but in the four Gospels, there are 3,779 total verses, I know that because I counted them all this week. No, I didn't, I didn't do that, I made Grimaldi count them, no, I didn't make him count them. There's 3,779 verses, 727 of them deal with Jesus healing somebody. So 20% or one-fifth of everything that we have about Jesus is about him healing the sick, is about him being the anointed one who heals. And so let me give you, I could give you, you know, tons of examples. Let me give you a couple, couple ones here before we show the clip that just depicts in such a beautiful way uh, one of the times that, that Jesus healed someone and the impact that it had. So Luke chapter 6, verse 17. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who'd come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So word was spreading, like Jesus is a healer, come and get your healing. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, 
because power was coming from him and he was healing them all. Remember, he's the anointed one. So the anointing of God is just flowing through him and people are experiencing the power of God that's emanating from him. Peter, when he tried to sum up Jesus' ministry in Acts chapter 10, when he's talking to Cornelius, he says, you know what happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit Notice how they always talked about how he was anointed with the Holy Spirit because that's hearkening back to Isaiah and the others. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so I want to read one more passage and then we're going to see the depiction of this passage from this week's episode of The Chosen. But I want to read this. I was going back and forth if I should read it or not because you're going to see it. But I I just think it's such a a fantastic like beat-by-beat retelling or dramatization of this this well-known passage. It says in Luke chapter 5 verse 17, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man in a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to do, saying your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So let's watch this scene together. I'm sorry, there's too many people. But you know him. Can't you get us any closer? I don't want to interrupt the teacher by causing a scene. What if you were me? Wouldn't you want your friends to make a scene? It was you once. What about the roof? Jesus of Nazareth! I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's our rope! Put it back, man! If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> 
Some. He's got room in there? Yeah. Can you believe we're really here for this? Yes. authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed. that awesome so all right so maybe you're thinking all right well that's cool so Jesus did really cool stuff 2,000 years ago what does that mean for us and so I love I, I kept in there the scene even though it wasn't I was like pulling out the things that weren't like directly about the healing but I kept the thing in about Peter when Peter said to Mary do you believe we get to see this do you believe we're here for this 
Because Peter, what was going to happen for him is not only would he get to see that, he would get to do it. Because a little bit later, Jesus sent out the 12, the 12 apostles, and he said, go do the stuff, go heal the sick and preach the gospel. And they came back and they're like, wow, it worked. And then he sent out the 72. There was a group of followers beyond the 12 apostles. He sent out the 72 and they came back and like, that was awesome. People got healed and even demons submitted to us in your name. And, uh, and so it, it spread out. And when Jesus rose from the dead, and he's trying to, the disciples, you know, they didn't know exactly how all this was going to play out. They were kind of playing catch up a lot of times. Jesus said to them in John 20, 21, he said, just as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And so what that means is that we get to continue the ministry of Jesus. That we get to do the stuff. We get to do the stuff that Jesus did. And I want to tell you, listen, the vision that I have for this church, what God has given me and what we've seen kind of play out, is that this is not just something that's like this quirky thing that the vineyard does. This is not just something that I do and a couple other people do. No, this is something for all of us. Every single one of us, we are called to continue the ministry of Jesus. And I just want to tell you, I want to tell you there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing in this life that is more exciting than seeing God do something through you that you know you couldn't do on your own. There is nothing better than that moment when you're like, wow, I stepped out in faith, I trusted God, I prayed in the name of Jesus, and then a miracle happened. I'm telling you, but some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And there is nothing like that. But I want to say, that is not something that's for a few. That is for something that is for every single one of us. And so, you know, again, some, I was thinking about this, like, all right, you know, we get people coming from all over, you know, to come to this church. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I've been praying for the sick, and this is inspiring, I'm going to keep praying for the sick. Some of you are like, well, this is all new to me, I don't really get it. Some of you, you know, maybe you came here and like, well, that's, that's cool, Phil, but I didn't come here, I'm not looking for, like, to continue the ministry of Jesus. I, I just, you know, I just really want to kill my husband, because he's really annoying, and is there anything that you can say that could, or the Bible could help me not kill my husband? Because it's really hard to not kill him. But what, what I want to say is that, is that the life that we're called to, what it means for us to be chosen by him and to be followers of Jesus. We have this saying around here, because I want you to think about the journey that we're on. We can know God, right? We can find freedom. We can discover our purpose. And then together we make a difference in the world. I want to tell you what this means for us right, is that we can know the living God, that God is real. We're not just talking about religion. We're not just talking about a lifestyle. We're trying to get connected to the living God. And the living God, will, he'll, he's coming into our life, and he's going to give you a strength, and he's going to give you a purpose, and he's going to deal with the baggage that you have, the brokenness in your life. He's going to enable you to live just day by day. He's going to work in your life, enabling you to live the life that you kind of knew in your heart you always wanted to live, like to, to, to be the kind of husband or wife that you want to be, to be the kind of parent, to be the kind of friend, to live a life with significance. And so part, see, we're talking about the living God who comes into our life and transforms our life. And as we walk with the living God, you're going to see the living God do miracles in your life. You're going to see the living God do miracles through you into the lives of others. 
Because we are called to continue the ministry of Jesus. And I just think that, you know what, right now, for us as a church, I believe that we're at this kind of important moment in the history of our church. Right, because you guys, you know, some of you know the, the struggle, the challenge that we had to get into this building. And then God did a miracle to get us into this building. And literally, as soon as we got into this building, we couldn't use the building for like a year, you know. And uh, we've all dealt with the, the last, you know, year and a half, almost two years now, and the disruption of our life. And, and what I've seen is that people now, they've had their foundations shaken. And so people, I think lots of people, are more open to the gospel and more open to the calling of Jesus maybe than ever before. And so I've seen, like through this season, that God has really increased our influence. That God is giving us all sorts of opportunities. We had, you know, we've got our food bank, and that's just been growing and expanding. This past Tuesday, we gave away food, we gave away turkeys, and at one point, the line of cars stretched all the way down to Route 46, and we had to deal with, like, a traffic situation that was being created. I got a call the other day on Friday from the mayor of South Hackensack. I'm having coffee with him tomorrow night because he wants to talk with me about how the town can partner with the church with all the things that we're doing. So that sees all the ways that God is using us and wants there to be a partnership. I've seen you guys have been bringing your friends and inviting people to come. We've got lots of new people who are coming and, and seeing God move and work. We baptized 48 people a month ago. We're, we're seeing God move and work. And as we get ready for this next season, I really think no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for the North Jersey Vineyard, for us. I believe God is going to move and work, and we're going to proclaim the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to deliver the oppressed in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to stand up for justice, and we're going to feed the poor, and we're going to clothe the naked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are going to heal the sick in the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's the plan, because that's what God calls us to. Let me just end with this. And it's a verse, I, mean, I, think I, I think we looked at this verse a few weeks ago, but a little bit of a different context. See, the early church, they were a little bit, the disciples, they were a little bit slow on the uptake, but they eventually got it. And they understood what it was they were called to do. And so in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out, they're baptizing the Holy Spirit, church is exploding, God is on the move, and then there's persecution and there's difficulty. So they gather together. And they knew what to pray, though, because they knew what the mission was. They knew what it meant to continue the ministry of Jesus. And they prayed this. They prayed, Lord, Acts 4, verse 29, Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And so that we would pray, God, stretch out your hand and heal the sick and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus, just as you did 2,000 years in Jerusalem, 2,000 years later, do it in North Jersey for such a time as this, because we need to lift Jesus high, because people need to know in the name of Jesus, he is the living God, he is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords, he is the one who died and is going to return, he is the one, we have been given the right to use his name, and it is the most powerful name that is out there, it is the name that is above every other name, and we will use 
use the name of Jesus to see the kingdom of God come so the gospel can be preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God, we thank you for what you've done. God, we thank you for how you've been so faithful to us. Lord, we thank you that you have connected us to you and to your life. And you, Lord, we can know you and you've given us purpose and you've healed us up and you're using us. We thank you for that. But God, we pray for more. We pray for more. God, we pray that you would stretch out your hands, that you would heal the sick, that you would confirm your word with signs and wonders, that you, Jesus, would be lifted up. Lord, we want to lift you up. We want to lift you up so high because when we lift you up, God, everyone's going to be drawn to you. And so, God, we pray that even right now this place would be shaken. We pray that our hearts would be shaken. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to speak your word with boldness. Let's all stand together. God, I bless your presence here in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And so we've got this, this front area here. It's pretty wide open. It's a lot of space. The chairs are still pushed back a little bit. And so what I want to encourage you to do, right? I love, you know, John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, would talk about show and tell, or basically tell and show. We talk about it, and then we do it. And you know what? I, I, I just believe that God wants to move this morning. We saw him moving at 9 o'clock. I think he wants to do it now. I think he wants to continue doing it in the Spanish service and continue doing it all throughout the life of our church. But if you're sick this morning, I want you to come on up to the front of the church because we're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray that the healing power of God would, would be poured out. If you've got a chronic condition, something that you've just kind of learned to live with, Right, Because a lot of times we just get these things, we're like, ah, I'm living with it. Well, why don't we just in faith, I love when Jesus says to the woman, the friend, your faith is beautiful. And so maybe right now, beautiful faith is just kind of coming on up and saying, okay, God, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to heal. I'm going to ask you to move. Maybe it's a chronic condition and you've just kind of given up. Maybe today is the day that God's going to heal, that God's going to move. Maybe there's something that is a new diagnosis that you're dealing with and you don't even fully know what it is, come on up and let us pray that God would heal. Let us pray that God would move and God would work. Maybe it's something that's kind of small, but it's nagging, it's a pain. There's a shoulder that's bothered you for a while or there's, there's headaches that you have or there's a neck injury, whatever it is. Maybe what faith looks like right now is just coming on up and saying, God, I'm going to look to you and I'm going to believe, God, that you're the same, Jesus, yesterday, today, forever. And you still are the anointed one. And you're still the one who heals the sick. And so come on up. Come on up. So many times people, I just hear it all the time. People are, they have this thing. It's just like, well, I can't bother God because there's people who are hungry in, in different parts of the world. God is big enough. Remember, Jesus said he knows the hairs on your head. If a sparrow falls to the ground, he knows about it. God can heal you. He can minister to you while worrying about all the other big problems that are going on in the world and the universe. And so let's come on up. Let's come on up and just look. Let's look to God in faith and just ask Him to heal. 
Ask him to move. Sue, I don't know if you have some specific words that God has given you this morning. Yeah, I, I do. Um, someone, just sensing someone um, here who might be experiencing just some kind of chronic ongoing pain, like in the lower leg area, foot, ankle, something like that, but kind of specifically sensing someone, it was like an old injury that just didn't heal right, possibly a sports in injury. Um, just ongoing on um, that you can't shake it. So if that if that resonates with you, if that's you, please come forward for prayer. Hmm. I just got this sense of someone you have pain in kind of like the 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 left side of your back, kind of the the top left side of your back, and it's kind of a chronic pain, and it's something that you just kind of deal with. But I just feel like. Like the Lord wants to heal, specifically wants to heal that pain this morning. So I don't know if that's someone who's already come up or, or maybe someone else who needs to come up. But Lord God, we just bless your presence here right now. We bless your presence. Those of you who haven't come up, uh, just go ahead and just maybe pray that God would move and work for those who have. And so Lord God, we ask in Jesus' name that you would draw near. Lord, we look to you. Lord, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the anointed one. You are the Mashiach, God. You are the one anointed, the Spirit without measure. And so, Lord, we pray that right now you would come and all these people who've come up in faith, Lord, we pray that you would heal them right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I speak to pain and I command the pain to go in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I speak to parts of the body that do not function the way God created them to function. And in the name of Jesus, I command these parts of the body to function the way God created them to function. I command shoulders to move freely. I command knees in the name of Jesus to support you as you live your life. I command the pain to go in the name of Jesus. More Holy Spirit. Let your healing come. Let it come right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray against someone who experiences migraines, like maybe even right now, just right in the center of your forehead, and this, this like stabbing pain. In the name of Jesus, I command that pain to go right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Pain, go. In the name of Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit. Just wait a moment. There's a, a woman, yeah. possibly a woman who has been struggling with breathing, ongoing breathing issues, and just sensing possibly related to anxiety or panic attacks that just seem to be getting worse and not better. Um, yeah, just, just that sense of, of difficulty breathing. So please come forward for prayer. So Lord, we bless your presence here, God. We ask, Lord, that the, the power of the Lord, the power of the Spirit would be present to heal the sick. We look to you right now, God. We pray that you would move and work right now in Jesus' name. So now I'm going to ask those of you who are connected in any way to the prayer ministry team, uh, those of you, if any pastors that are in this room right now, if there's any small group leaders that are here, if there are people who know how to pray. We've got a lot of people who need prayer. So come on up and help us to pray for these people. And just, just come up and just ask them, say, what specifically can I pray for? And then just don't, you know, just kind of quickly get into praying and just ask God to move and God to work. So more, Lord. Bless your presence here right now. God, pour out your healing right now in the name of Jesus. I know we're going to need more prayer, so, so come on up and help us pray. Come on up. 
We all get to do this. We all get to play. We're all deputized, right? So come on up and help us out. Grimaldi's going to continue to pray for a little bit. We're gonna, I'm going to come down and start, start praying for people. Um, feel free if you just want to sit and just kind of want to bless what God is doing. If you need to go, get your kids, what have you, uh, you can do that as well. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Let's keep the lights just like this, though, okay? Um, don't bring up the house lights. And, uh, and we're just going to spend some time praying for people. God bless you guys. Have a great week.